Coaches, happy Memorial Day to you. Hope you're taking some time today to reflect on the freedoms we enjoy in this country and the men and women who gave their lives so we could enjoy those freedoms. And hopefully, you're getting to hang out with your family and friends today. So whether you're headed out to the lake, man in the grill, or whatever it is you're doing, thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, we talk with Coach Ramel Borner, defensive line coach at Duncanville High School in Duncanville, Texas. Coach Borner grew up in Dallas and played high school ball at Dallas Lincoln under legendary Texas high school football coach Reginald Samples, and then earned a scholarship to Texas State where he played defensive line for the Bobcats. Coach Borner got his first coaching gig as alma mater at Dallas Lincoln before joining Coach Samples at Dallas Skyline. And then when Coach Samples took over at Duncanville, he brought Coach Borner with him. And this past season, the Panthers finished with a 14-1 record in 6A Division I state finalists, losing to Galena Park North Shore in the final three seconds of the 6A Division I state championship. Coach Bourne has a powerful story about the struggles of growing up in inner city Dallas and all he had to go through just to get to school each day and the will and determination he showed as a young man to persevere through those early struggles is nothing short of inspiring. Coach Bourne is also going to walk us through his coaching progression for his defensive line and then we finish up a little bit of pass rush so there's something for everyone on today's episode. So kick back, relax, crack open your favorite beverage of choice and enjoy today's episode of KYPD. I am so excited to finally get you on here. We had a little bit of issues with our recording, but uh, we got that all straightened out, and now we're uh, we're ready to ready to go and talk some football. So thank you so much for for coming on and talking with us. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, Coach, you are a Dallas guy through and through. You grew up there. You are now coaching there. So talk to us a little bit about your experience growing up there. Uh, you graduated from Dallas Lincoln High School. Uh, what was that like? Well, uh, I didn't, well, if you fast forward to now, I'm playing for uh, my high school coach, Reginald Samples, who just got named the uh, number one winningest black coach uh, in UIL history. And yeah. so fast forward and now rewind back, you know, I was just a kid growing up in South Dallas, southern, the southern sector of Dallas, urbanized Dallas, and Basically, you know, I was just a young kid trying to escape, trying to get out of my situation, my poverty, trying to stay focused in school and earn a scholarship playing football. And you know, uh, and, and that was to me that was that was simple life back then. You know, it was hard, it was coarse, but that shaped me to who I am today. Well, you you you've mentioned to me and in, in, in other conversations that we had that there was a lot of adversity in your in your high school career just to even get to football practice and play football was was a struggle so talk to talk to us a little bit about that some things that you had to go through just to get to school and get to practice so again growing up you know you dealt with my mom she raised uh four kids she was a single parent um you know and you dealt she dealt with financial situations where it may have caused us to move uh from different areas uh and I know a good pivotal time when, you know, we we moved from South Dallas to Oak Cliff, uh, Texas. They're still really inner city Dallas, but on the other side of town. But uh, then we, she got evicted 
they had to move uh, real far out uh, to, into some apartments. And I'm maybe like a, maybe a sophomore coming into a junior. And for a long time, I had to ride two buses and a train just to get to and from school. And so a lot of guys, you know, parents picked them up. My mom, you know, again, she could have been at work. Uh, and I had to leave out early. It was, it was just tough. It was a strain. But, you know, I, I was determined to get to school. I was determined to get to practice. And, you know, throughout the summers, I was determined to get strong. I was really focused about uh, when it comes to uh, getting that scholarship. So, you know, I had a, I had motivation. I, I never wanted to ride a bus again. You know, it, it was a lot of things in my life. Uh, that pushed me to keep going forward, but adversity, you know, it shapes it shapes young men. You know, it, it, it tests your character, and it's one of those things that I never want to go through again. But I wouldn't change it for the world because it it, it got me where I'm here today. Coach, that is an unbelievable story. Uh, two, you said two buses and a train to get to school. Yes, sir. How, how long yes, was sir. that? How long did that take? How long was that commute? Ooh, I can remember waking up around about 4, 4.30. And, you know, school might have started at 8 o'clock. So that was definitely an hour to two-hour long bus ride to and from. I remember sometimes leaving practice and falling asleep on the bus. It would be pitch dark, black, dark, and I've missed my stop. And I have to, like, tell myself a million times, okay, don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. The stop is about to come. And if I accidentally nodded off, I would have had to make that whole trip again. Oh man! And so yeah, it, it 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 was it was a beast. That's how we got around, you know. And you know that's that's that was that was what was required of me at the time, you know. Well, coach, I mean, I'm sure there had to be some times, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. and then getting home past dark. There had to be a time or, or some 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 moments there where you said, "This isn't worth it," or "What am I doing here?" Or, Is this really what I want? Was there ever some some doubt that that crept in, or was there always? Did you always have that resolve? As, as the youngest of four, uh, again, you know, my upbringing having lights cut off or having gas turned off, or you know, your mother having to choose which of the utilities that she's going to be able to pay because of the season, you know, which is more vital to the season or your water getting cut off. I had times where I was drinking the water, uh, bathing out of my neighbor's uh, water hose or whatnot, you know, different. I mean, it's so much things I had to do to survive. And so it's memories like that that always pushed me you know, to, to stay motivated. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah. I wanted to achieve. I, I wanted to get myself out of this situation. I've had countless teachers and coaches or whatnot. I always tell the kids, you know, uh, education is power, education is freedom. And, you know, I really beat a hold to that and that became a product of my environment. You know, I use football as my tool. And, um, uh, but I always had motivation in my upbringing to keep me making the right decisions because I just did not want to go through it. You know, that I knew that wasn't the life I was meant to live. And, you know, I, I, I made a choice to do something about it and what I could control. And that was 
stay focused. School for me was my safe haven. Yeah. That was a consistent meal. That was a consistent education, consistent social life, you know, a consistent bond and brotherhood of my teammates. You know, that was a safe haven for me in school. And so I enjoyed coming to school. I enjoyed because at least I knew the lights was on. I was going to have something to eat. I was going to be able to laugh. You know, I was going to be able to play. I was going to be able to work hard on the field and, and, and feel better about myself. I had an outlet. So, you know, I looked, I really looked forward to going to school. You know, if I was, if, if you was to have me sit at home, I would probably go crazy because yeah. I just love being at school because that, that was my safe haven for me. And so, in person, you know, that's how I got out of it. You know, right. I, I wanted more. I wanted right. more. So going back to that time, you mentioned teachers and coaches who, who kind of looked out uh, for you. Who were some people that you remember in your life that encouraged you and, and were there for you and kind of helped you during those times? There's a, a lot of factors came into play. One, I can say my church, my church family, you know, they did a lot of things growing up. And uh, also outside of them, my coaches, my teachers. I had I had a music teacher who really taught me how to play the piano. And so um, I went to middle school to actually try to play at a uh, academy middle school. Uh, and but even playing the piano, I was like, hmm, I'm going to get to college, you know. But right. still in the midst of all that, you had teachers still promoting college, and that's what clicked for me one day uh, as far as, hey, what am I going to do with my life? You know, I've always been told to be prepared to go to college and set goals and this and that. And, you know, I, I always, I don't ever uh, downgrade uh, anybody telling that to uh, students being positive or whatnot. But, you know, those type of things were instilled in me. Then in high school, you know, you had coaches, my coaching staff that was very, personal, you know, and when I say personal, you know, they cared about what happened at home, you know, coach, even my head coach, Coach Samples, man, I was, I was really down at one point in my of my football career, right when the season was started, you know, and uh, over my own personal father, and, you know, he gave me words of encouragement to keep fighting for my life, you know, fighting for my happiness, not letting uh, adults around me affect the way I, uh, I act or behave, you know. And so uh, he pulled me out of a dark spot, definitely. Uh, it's one pivotal spot where I was just devastated at the situation that was going on with my father. And, uh, and you know, he uplifted me and kept me going, kept me motivated to still, you know, to be successful for me, you know, knowing that, Regardless of what's going on, you know, the best thing for me is to live my life to the best of my ability and create my own opportunities and, and, and live my life full and full and with fulfillment, you know? Right, right. And, and his words, it's always words of encouragement. You know, sometimes my coaches, you know, they got on my tail. They pushed me to be a better player. Uh, I've been, again, I've been in situations, you know, this was like, to me, this is the community. So, you know, what I'm, my story is the story of a lot of young black men, you know, uh, especially 
an inner city school, the inner city district, you know, you, you don't know what they're going through before they walk through those doors. And so, you know, those coaches understood that, and, and they always pushed us in, in the midst of our adversity. They they showed us that, hey, you can still have light at the end of the tunnel. You know, right. just got to stay focused and work for it. Right. And, and that I can appreciate fully. That's something I still in my players, it's still in my players now. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you do you see it now as your mission to be that coach, uh, like you mentioned Coach Samples was to you, uh, recognizing that you were going through some difficult things and having that relationship with you in place to where he was connected with you enough where he could tell that you weren't yourself. Do you see it as your mission now to be that kind of influence on these kids in your program that are going through the same things that you were going through? Definitely. Uh, you know, I, I'm very personal with my players, my person, uh, my personnel, D-linemen. Um, I definitely have relationships with them when we talk. Uh, legally, you know, I, I, I talk to their parents a lot. I talk to them. I communicate with them. And, and so, they, you know, they don't, I don't, I don't spill the things all the way unless I need to, but I definitely have a passion for educating my players and giving them the opportunity to be able to play at the next level. Uh, I love seeing that from my guys. A lot of my guys play, they go and play college, they have successful careers. But again, I, I try to teach them and try to give them strength to persevere and fight. I try to teach them the game. I use football to take their mind off of it that type of stuff and I create a family within my position group to where when we're together, you know, that's it's it's, it's the life. It's the life you wanna live. Right. And so yes, I definitely get motivated to help these young teams and, you know, just give them the opportunity and extend myself to them the way my coaches did back in high school. So coach, uh, if you could speak to any just football players in general across the country who are going through some similar situations that you encountered as a as a young kid uh, in high school, what would you tell those kids? Uh, I would tell them, make your mind up on what you want to do in life. If you want to be a football player, and we're talking, to football, we're talking about football players, I tell them, be determined to fight hard, to work hard, put in time, commitment, because no matter, you know, everybody is not going to play big D1 football. But football will take you places that you'll never imagine. And so, and it's levels. It's all levels. It's football that'll take short D linemen. It's places that'll take mid-sized D linemen. But regardless of your size, if your heart and desire is in it to play football, you're going to be a football player. You put in the extra work. You put in the time. You learn the technique. Uh, you just engulf yourself in what you're doing. You commit yourself to the practice field, the weight room, and whatever your coaching staff is asking of you. And, and don't and don't and don't fault. Don't don't fault. Don't go far from it. And and keep yourself focused. And you know. And nowadays, you know, they look they look for different sizes or whatnot. But sometimes I encounter a lot of shooting beat tackles. Who, who love the game, you know, so, hey, man, you know, it's still ways that you can still play football in college, you know. Focus on your education, because that is the key. 
and you know you got intermarriage. You know you don't have to think that just because you're not a college player that you still can't play football. And so the deal is, you know, once you commit yourself, you just create opportunities to even see the other side of high school as right. a, as an adult. Right. You know, you. I just want to. You know, my job is to get them to school the next level, get them peaked and intrigued about being in college. And, you know, and the next coach, the next man, the journey, they're going to take the baton. But, you know, just really sheer determination. Right. Got to have that in football these right. days. Right. Coach, I liked what you said earlier about creating your own opportunities. And I think that's 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 key because whether whether, I, whether I'm a coach or a football player or, or a kid, high school student, whatever, I, it's, I, I can't just sit back and wait for things to happen and wait for stuff to fall in my lap. A lot of times I have to go out and, and just create my own breaks, create my own opportunities. So I think that's a great message. So you mentioned football taking you and take you to a lot of places. For you, that was San Marcos to Texas State. So talk to us a little bit about that experience. You went from, from playing high school at uh, playing high school ball at Dallas Lincoln to, to play in D-line at Texas State uh, under Coach David Bailiff. What was that like? Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, nothing – I mean, my lifetime from day and night, uh, as far as location, brotherhood, campus, university, the the peacefulness. San Marcos is a beautiful city. Uh, I mean, I loved everything about it. But uh, the good thing I could say was I was I was exposed to a coaching staff that really cared about teaching us good technique, teaching us the game, and making us play at our best level. We were fortunate to go to the quarterfinals in 2005. We was conference champs, and we almost made it to the big dance championship and lost in the quarterfinals. But, you know, we sold out the stadium that year. I had a great season, great season. I played as a true freshman down there. And so it, it, it was just – there's nothing I can say about my college experience that was bad because it was definitely day and night from my childhood and upbringing. And also – you know, I love the environment, and and you know, who wouldn't love Texas State? You know? Yeah, I got to imagine there was a little bit of culture shock coming from inner city Dallas to San Marcos, Texas. I, that was probably the first time in my life where uh, I didn't hear a bunch of gunshots or loud drunk people all in the community neighborhood. You know. Well, I could I can't say that. Yeah, but I say loud drunk people. That may be going a little too far. <laughs> you probably heard your, your fair share of loud drunk people, but gunshots, okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I gotta take that back. We parted hard in Texas. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but definitely, the scene I, I've never seen there roam the streets freely. Yeah, uh, that just shocked me. Definitely a culture shock, and I was like. Well, that commute to class was a lot better than your commute in high school, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I stay. I always stayed around the uh, the football stadium. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 the one thing I didn't want to be was late to meet. Yeah. Well, coach. So from so, there, from Texas State, 
you broke into coaching. Uh, talk about that. How did you get into coaching? Uh, where, where was your first job? Talk, talk to us about that. Uh, when I, when, as soon as I graduated, I knew that I needed to work, and I knew I wanted to be a high school coach. So I moved back to Dallas, and I got my first job back at my alma mater, Lincoln High School, and I worked there for three years uh, on the, under uh, James Argeni. And then I left and went to Skyline, uh, Dallas Skyline, and, uh, and coached under Coach Samples. I coached there for three years. And and then I went to Duncanville with Coach Samples, and I've been coaching there ever since. So uh, we experienced a lot of playoff wins. I've, I've coached in the fifth round, I believe, twice. Coast this past season in the state championship, lost with three seconds left on the clock, uh, and so we've been very competitive. I've been fortunate to make good playoff runs throughout my coaching career. Still looking for this state title, but you know it's not over. Right. It's definitely not over. But uh, I've been fortunate enough to go a lot of uh, go against a lot of good offensive schemes. You know, I love seeing new offensive schemes. And depicting them and figuring out how to stop it, stop it. Been fortunate to face a lot of different teams uh, as a defensive line coach with the with the top players in the state. You know, right. so that's that also has a lot to do with schemes that you see who you're going against. And you know, uh, those nine years of experience have you know seasoned me well as far as coaching D line. Well, of course, and again, as you mentioned, you've had the privilege to be in some outstanding places and and really coach under some some outstanding uh, outstanding coaches, as you mentioned with Coach Samples. You you played for Coach Samples, and now you've been you've coached with him at two different schools. Give us some Coach Samples stories that you know we've all a lot of us maybe have coached against him or seen him on uh, across the sideline or maybe on TV. Give us some good Coach Samples stories. That, that you got for maybe as your your playing days or, or from coaching for him? Well, you know, Coach Samples is, he is, I always say, the last of a dying breed. You know, that's one of the most toughest dudes I've ever seen. Uh, he has this uncanny ability to wake up motivated for football. I mean, I mean, you, you think that after a game, Everybody sleep, need rest. Well, Coach Sample is the type of coach that'll watch the film before he go home, watch, wake up in the middle of the night and watch it some more. And, you know, he might call me. You know, I'm an early bird, so he might call me at 6 in the morning or 5 in the morning to talk about football, yeah. talk about the game and what we can do. And, uh, you know, he still gets excited about the game. You know, everybody – talks about him retiring, but, you know, when you're around him, you, you don't see you don't see no any evidence of him thinking about retiring. He's just a classic guy, and, you know, you really can't imitate him. You can just watch and learn from him. You're one of those guys when you're around, you have to sit back and just learn from him because you know you're not going to run to anybody closely like him. Probably never, you know, as far right. as you in between. Right. You don't, or you're going to run into another co-sample. So his stories are countless. There's countless, countless different experiences with him. But 
as a as a coach, what you, what you're gonna understand about him is he's gonna always push you to be the best coach you can be. Uh, he's gonna always when you think you work, he's gonna let you know that you can work a little harder. And not as and not as a coach, you know, sometimes when if you say that, you'll be like, Man, I don't wanna work for this coach but now it's not said in a negative way like he works twenty four hours a day because he relaxes like the uh he relaxes and beats he beats us out the office a lot of times. But what he does is he maximizes his time. You know, he don't sit around and basically it just it just let collect dust on this feet. If he's dealing with football and he's gonna teach you that as a as a coach around up there, he's gonna he's gonna pull everything he can out of himself, out of his staff, uh, and out of the team. The expectation is always high for him. It's always high. And so and that's one thing you never really see, especially somebody of his age, you would think that they would be slowing down, but I promise you if you around him he will he he will seem like he's getting stronger every day because he's still gonna press the envelope, getting better, and he wants to state championship. So he, you know, more than we know, more you know, you think you think, hey, he had a great season, a good year, but he wants more and he wants it all, and you can see that every day when you walk in. Well, coach, you're very fortunate to uh, again to have played under him and now coach with him so for, for all these years, and and I know that that you're enjoying coaching with him and, and, and having that experience with him. Uh, let's talk about those Panthers this past season. So 14-1 and one, with that one loss being, as you mentioned, the state championship game with three seconds left. Uh, we've probably talked about that game too much uh, on this podcast. Had a couple uh, North Shore guys on here. But I think anybody watching that game saw that uh, or, or can have had respect for uh, both sides of the ball and the way that your kids competed uh, right up until the very end. So let's get into your message this offseason for those kids as you as you uh, now are, are just wrapped up spring ball and getting ready to head into the summer. What's the message been uh, to your team this this offseason? Well, the first thing we told them is forget about last season. You know, that, that team has graduated on, and this team has its own identity. Nothing we can do change about that last three seconds and but one thing you don't want to do is carry that burden into the next season. Uh, right. This is a new group of guys. They're fresh. They're alive. Uh, we just tell them, hey, we got to work extra hard because we got that big target on our back. And it's not going to be easy to get, you know, we you thought it was hard to get to the state. It's going to be twice as hard this year to even come close to it because everybody's going to give you their best game. Everybody's going to look to destroy you, they're gonna find every weakness you got and you know, they're coming after uh, after us. So, you know, it's been our focus and we we don't really mention a lot about last season. Right. You know, we what we do is we just focus on getting those guys stronger, uh mentally and physically and pushing forward. You know, it's a new team, definitely new identity. Just like the teams that we face, you know, they're gonna have new teams and new identity. You know, new players step up in different roles, which makes a different team. So, you know, we just got to make sure we fighting to close that gap and be as good as last year's teams are even better. Yeah, Coach, I got to imagine that whether you won or lost that game, that the message this offseason w- would be the same, that that, that was last season. We got to flush it and move on. And it's, and it's really 
it's easy to get caught up in those last three seconds, but y'all had an outstanding season. Great run through the playoffs, you know, beating uh, Allen and South Lake Carroll in consecutive weeks. Those two teams are, are just synonymous with Texas high school football and are you know, powerhouses year in, year out. For y'all to take down both of those teams in and of itself is an accomplishment. And then to, to make you know the first state championship game appearance for, for Duncanville in 20 years, uh, I think I have that right. But you know those those things are th- those things you have to look back and think. Oh, that, that's you know those were unbelievable accomplishments. Did it in the way that you wanted it? No, but still something definitely to be proud of. But again, win, lose, whatever. You uh, yeah, like you said, you got to move on and and focus on the guys that are in that locker room now and and look ahead to the next season. It's the first day of fall camp and and we're getting ready to start the 2019 season. Talk to me about some things that you're going to be doing with your linemen your defensive lineman on day one, some drills and, and techniques that you're going to be focusing on? Well, the first thing I'm going to focus on is one of being physical uh, and playing with our hands. You know, I I believe that our number one job is to stop the run of the defensive line. We have to be physical. We have to play with our hands. we got to play technique sound uh, across the board. That way that all everybody around fits can be correct. And, you know, the, 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 the teaching process with guys around you is a lot more cleaner when you play with good technique and good hands and coming off the ball violent. Well, Coach, how do you how do you coach up technique with, with hands and being violent? Uh, talk to us about how, how you do that. You know, I focus on stance, first of all, getting in proper stances. Jump explosion, we do a lot of extension drill, hand extension drill, you know, is people using your hands is not easy as people say it is. You know, as a D-line coach, like, hey, you got to use your hands, but using your hands require a lot of muscle memory. It, it requires just keeping your hands extended. It's natural for people to bend their arms, but just keeping your hands extended, yeah, that's one of those things that you got to do every day, every day, every day, all day, every day. Find a way for guys to get extension. You got to get them strong in the weight room. So that's something that this saying coaching up getting hand extension. That's an ongoing process, right? Because the stronger you are, the longer you've been doing doing it, you, you're gonna be better at it. The guys that's newbie that's getting broken in, they're gonna break those arm extensions and you know want to play with their helmet, and but they're gonna allow themselves to get held and not make plays and not play zone blocks good and stuff like that. So, you know, my big, my biggest thing is I have to teach them to play with the hands uh, first. And then, you know, then block recognition. You know, they got to learn the blocks, got to learn how we defeat blocks, and, you know, and be, be physical while doing it. Defeating blocks and being physical while doing it. Have control of that offensive lineman. That way you can play your gap and react out of your gap if the player's going elsewhere, you know? Right, exactly. I think of we've had, you know, I don't know, I guess I think this would be uh, over a dozen episodes now, um, and, and I hear all the time guys talking about one of the drills that they're going to do is block recognition. So talk to me, walk me through that drill for y'all. What does that look like uh, as, you, as you're teaching your guys to recognize blocks and defeat those blocks? How do you do that? Well, well, on an individual basis, we always identify the zone, the down block, the base block, and, you know, pulling, guys pulling and tacking on base blocks or pass blocks. And so 
you know, that's 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 one phase. That's the phase that everybody probably talks about coming off the ball and giving them a long block and they push, pull, ripping off or whatnot. But the, another phase, a second level phase is applying those blocks to the scheme that the team is going to run uh, against you. And so, you know, nowadays, you know, they there's different type of zone blocks. Some people want to attach step to the outside shoulder. Some people what they consider zone, but they give a zone step, but that block turns into a base block. When yep. they feel like they can't zone you, they're yep. just going to wash you out wide yep. and make the running back cut off of them. Exactly. You know, and so, you know, you can teach you can teach that at, you know, the freshman level, but uh, when I come as the varsity coach on the varsity level, I distinguish who we're going against and what type of blocks they're going to give us. And so I don't just feed it all to them, but I'm gonna I'm gonna attack I'm gonna attack what they think is is strength. And there's one thing I know: certain a lot of teams zone different types of ways, you know. Right, and right. You just gotta be able to adjust the fast one zone or the base. I call it the base zone. Right. Where you know it's a zone step, but they really want to just wash you out. Exactly. I mean, the bad cut off of you. Exactly. You know, there's some schools that run. Inside zone, great, great. You got good combos and chips to the next level, and you know those are the different things you got to kind of put in your individual drills to keep those guys successful um, at defeating the block. You can't just really go single zones no more, you know, because it's always going to be you got D linemen that are pretty physical and get off that ball. They're going to have to get more chips and combos, and you know, and so. There's no need to work in the individual block. I might have to go second level and start going some two-on-ones and working on different things and then just teaching them uh, football IQ about what players they could get according to where they're running back or, you know, different pre-snap reads. Yes. Uh, you know, definitely got to coach pre-snap reads. Yeah. Coaching d I want to ask you about that, but I want to go back to something – that you mentioned, you know, you mentioned hands and how, how important hand placement is and playing with hands. What role do hands play in recognizing run blocks and re- or recognizing uh, uh, the types of blocks that, that defense alignment are going to see? Well, I, I always tell my guys, you know, as a defense alignment, you are the athlete. You know, reading, you're, you're a high school player first when I read. So a lot of times this is their first pinch of real life, real coaching that they can apply to the college level. So, you know, using your hands first of all allows you time to react. You know, and I have to I have to tell I have to show my guys that hey, you know, when you go back when I was playing football, uh, back in high school, we got more ISOs and power football and, you yeah. know, you had to come off with that hat and hands. And you had to you had to drive, 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 and blow up something because you knew you was going to get a double team or a fullback coming through. They was just going to run that ball down your throat. You had to be a physical smash-mouth guy. But now the zone scheme is changing the game. And so you have to you have to read and react, but you're not going to react properly with enough time if you're engaging with your helmet. If O-linemen are stepping, stepping lateral, you have to buy yourself time by getting extensions and being able to recover 
his stepladder with them, mirror stepping right. on down. Right. And so, you know, the my 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 coaching please about the line is allow yourself to be successful with your hands. You know, even if you lose your cushion with your uh, extension, but you you still have time to react properly, and you can do you can play with your hands and do everything. Still with low hips, with a good center of gravity. And the only thing I tell them is, if it's a base block coming at you, it's probably likely that you will lose that cushion. But you attack with the crown of your helmet and drive and, and get back to a crease. That's the only time you might lose that cushion uh, of extension. But if you're coming off that ball, and like I say, you know the teams about scouting those guys, who is going to base block you, who going to, Knowing when they go, you're more inclined to get double teams or folks running or trying to watch it. And so, like on a week to week basis, you just adjust the coaching and the technique of tools. You know, you're going into this zone scheme. You know that you need to be coaching those guys to have more of a power step with extension, ready to go lateral, and then attack vertical after they get their read. And the extension just buys now. Right. I don't know. Some offensive linemen that are straight try to bear hug you uh, straight off the ball. But if you don't have extensive, you know, they're going to be successful at that. You don't get caught underneath. You know, they're teaching them to catch them right in, underneath their more pitch, their, their back on their back slap. You know, some refs see it and some don't. But you don't have time to be yelling that they hold it. What you got to do is play with extension and keep those guys on those off of them. So you, so you can't escape to go make a play. Right. I've probably said it on this podcast before, uh, talking when we talk about hand play. But, yeah, one of the things we talk about is you got to have eyes in the palms of your hands. You know, your your, your hands, you, the faster you get your hands on that on that guy's, that, that offensive lineman's chest plate, the more you're going to be able to tell what he's trying to do to you. And like you said, it, it is going to buy you some time uh, and help you process quicker what he's what he's trying to do. So you mentioned teaching your guys football IQ and doing pre-snap reads. So what are some things that you're pointing out to them to pay attention to uh, pre-snap? Well, first thing I'm going to make them pay attention to is maybe I'm going to always make them look at their read key. First of all, look at their alignment. Look at the splits, the width of the split. Look at the see if your guard is staggered back a little, maybe – like he's about to pull. Look at his hand. Look at if he's leaning. Look at his eyes. See if he's looking at the next level or as if he's focused on you. After they look at their uh, they, uh, line, they read keys, then we start talking about formations. Uh, where are you going to get out of this formation? If the back line up to you, and I'm calling my strength to, uh, to the running back, three technique, what? What players can you get? You know, I, I teach my guys, hey, you know, you're not going to stop everything, but these tackles, y'all are responsible for dying. Options, our ends are responsible for that. Zone read, you know, quarterback or dive, you know, just got to know which side you're on. And, you know, I try to break it down to them on what you're responsible for. It just anticipated if this happened, you know. You don't never know. And then, you know, when you get in third and long situations, you need to know to be ready to pass rush. Is high prob- uh, probability they're going to pass, they run it, they're going to run a draw screen. So 
be prepared for all three scenarios. Uh, a good pre-snap read. A lot of times, this high school, they're going to give you the formation. They don't have time to install a million types of formation unless it's a team that just does a million type of different formations. But even then, you know, you rely on just reading your key after that point. But they don't, every team is going to have some type of tendency. Even if even if they have even tendencies, you're still going to have a, a, a few plays that either they're going to do this if they run the ball or they're going to do this if they pass the ball. Right. And so be prepared for on, on that. So we just work our way from the uh, line, O-line, to the running back backfield. Uh, we can't be really looking at receivers or whatnot. You know, definitely focus on the man in front of us. And, you know, if the running back line is to help you, you know, I I can see it as a coach, but I, I got the lineman, if they're hand in the ground, they might not be able to see that. But it might be one person on the line that could, that might see something. So just educate them on different things and talking and communicating on the big line. Exactly. You get a lot of plays stopped just off of that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's one of those things as kids, as, as kids mature as players, they're able to slow down a little bit. And before they put their hand in the ground, look, just look in the backfield and see, okay, the back's away from me and he's deep. So maybe I'm thinking inside zone to my side or the back's even and he's on my side. So I'm thinking pass or maybe option to me, uh, you know, whatever your scouting report for that week says, but that really is going to help slow the game down for them and, and make it not so chaotic once the ball snapped. So how are you educating them on that? Is it is that all on the field stuff, or is that film study? How are you showing? How are, how are you you're coaching your kids up on on those tendencies and and building that football IQ? That's basically that's basically uh, film study. You know, on the field, I give them different cues to kind of make them aware of different things until they can pick it up themselves. And, and on the spot, you know, we do a lot of hands-on coaching. And, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, it's a maturity level. My freshmen and sophomores are not going to get it. My junior, my juniors are just going to have the, they're just, just going to be understanding the concepts of those type things. And I'm almost being able to apply it. And my seniors will be so seasoned that they're, they're in sync with me and they can operate. They can operate on their own. Right. Once you show them some on them. They can call it out, and, you know, they're very full. And, you know, with those in the mix, in the midst of a defense, it becomes very nasty. Yeah. Um, and um, that, that's the part that I pride myself on. Educating those guys. I tell them, I say, hey, I, you know, my, I'm, not, my, I'm maybe not a great teacher in the classroom, but I pride myself on educating you guys as a defensive line coach on your job, you know, because I know that it works wonders, you know. Those guys will learn if you teach. Yeah, exactly right. And once they start picking up on that stuff themselves in film study, you know, hey, coach, I saw the tackle does this or the running back does this. And once you get those guys buying into that and they start picking up on those tendencies, that's when it really gets going. And then it's, it turns into a collaborative effort of you and your players are both nitpicking the opponent and, and finding little things here and there. Because, again, sometimes they find stuff that we don't find watching film or looking at players and, and uh, if it helps them, it ha then that's awesome. My, my head coach has this philosophy, especially when it comes to defense is he, he wants less thinking and more playing, playing fast. And, you know, that's something that sticks with me, especially as a D line coach. 
you know, you don't, I, I got this thing about telling the linemen, well, you got to read their block, you got to read their block. Well, as coaches, we know how to read their block. But when you're dealing with a freshman or a sophomore, you know, and maybe a junior, depending on their level of experience of football, that is much harder than what it seems. And so pre-snap reads allow them to eliminate possible things. That's why, you know, I, I have to coach that. That's why I have to teach them football, third-down scenarios, um, uh, looking at pre-snap reads, looking at offensive linemen, because you, you don't want them thinking about a whole big amount of plays that they can run. You want to eliminate plays that way that they can play faster. You want to keep the game simple for them. You don't want to complicate the game. Because a lot of athletes uh, are, you know, sometimes they're smart and sometimes they're not. So you don't want to slow them down, giving right. them too much to think about. Right. And, and, you know, and that's why, you know, I'm a big base football fan, you know, teaching them foundations because with that, you know, once you teach it, teach it, teach it, it's in. And some guys, they, they can be successful if you leave them alone and let them pass the plan those blocks and getting the pre-snap read to where they know what what move to use or how to react, especially when it comes to pass rush. You want to be able to eliminate the thinking for them so that they can react and just go. That's exactly right. And, and we as coaches have to remember it's a fine line between putting too much on them uh, and then giving them tools and, and information that's going to help them but, but again, as you mentioned, uh, it's an awesome thing when, when the plan that you put into place, that those tendencies that you have, that you have, uh, that you picked up on and that you've planned on uh, all week, and you see those come true on Friday night, and your kids are coming out the field and they're excited because the stuff that that you saw during the week on film uh, is still ringing true, and that's an awesome thing too when you can uh, see that that excitement that they get from uh, understanding that like, hey, when I study this stuff. It makes me play better, and it's easier. The game slows down for me, and it equals me making plays. And so that then just reinforces that film study and that preparation on the mental side of things during the week. Uh, well, Coach, you, you, you were talking – you started talking a little bit about pass rush there, so let's jump into pass rush and and just walk us through or, or talk to us about your, your coaching progression for pass rush. Well, you know, when it comes to pass rushing, it's a little education – that comes with that too. One, just understanding the different offensive line sets, meaning, you know, you could get an aggressive block on pass, or you could get a guy who oversets, or you can get a guy who undersets. And, you know, and being able to defeat those different pass blocks, react and react to them. A lot of young D linemen. The term overset and underset has never been said to me. But who you go up against determine what type of pass rush moves you use. And, you know, and as a D-line coach, you always want to, you know, give guys two or three options on a speed rush, on a power move, uh, on a bull, you know, and on counter moves. Just because every individual that you go against is going to be different. And you got to change the pass rushes up according to who you go against. So, you know, sometimes you have guys that don't sit, they just lean. They got good upper body strength and they're going to try to catch it and lean with your hands. 
and you know you gotta be able to react to that block and still be successful pass rush. Right. And and educate them on the type of pass blocks that you can get and and the weakness of it. Some pass blocks, you know, it might not be a weakness when they slide, full slide, this and that, but as a coach, you know, you teach them and show them that, hey, well, this line stunt will help beat this or this blitz or whatnot. There's always ways to be the pass protector. But, you know, if your kid just thinks the pass protection is the offensive lineman just kick-stepping, then you you really limiting uh, their ability to be successful in the pass rush breed. Right. So it start with our, it start with as a D line coach, coaching O line, showing them hey the difference in blocks, and then showing them how to attack in the the two or three moves to be successful against that uh, type of pass set that you don't get. And it takes a little leg work, but you know once the kids get it, you know they get it. They they can understand. And when you you in that tight game. You know, you, you tell them, hey, you know, they they slide to you, slide away. You know, are you getting double? One technique on your on the pass, and you know, what are we gonna do? How do we come? How do we combat that? You know, and so uh, just keeping their actual about pass rush up. You know, that 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 helps keep those guys successful. Right, because because rushing the passers is is such a a game of chess with that offensive lineman. And, and, and like, I, again, uh, referencing a, a, an earlier uh, podcast episode, you know, we talked about how uh, it's really important not to overload defensive linemen with all these pass rushes, but it is important that you have to teach them different moves because some moves work against a certain type of set and some don't. Um, like you mentioned, you have a guy who's, who's uh, leaning, who's going to be leaning. Like I love seeing especially, especially guards, interior offensive linemen who are going to lean. Because that opens up a bunch of possibilities for us, uh, as far as pass rush moves that we can do, but that that also eliminates other moves that we really don't want to do against a guy who's going to lean. So you do have to teach them different moves, but also when they go into the game, they need to have one, maybe two that they're gonna they're gonna take into that game with them. Would is that would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that, and I let them know, hey, you know, if we want pressure. You know, we'll do a stunt. We'll help joystick the success of that pass rush yeah. move yeah. and, you know, just attacking different slide protections or whatnot uh, a certain way. And so sometimes coach can take the anxiety off of a pass rusher just by calling moves or stunts on third and long situations or blitzes to help, to help those guys create one-on-one. And the biggest thing is you want to be able to beat your one-on-ones on the pass rush grid. And so, and, you know, and I, and I reinforce with my guys, you know, pass rushing is just not about getting sacks. You know, you got to look at the type of quarterback you're facing, whether he's a runner, whether he's a thrower, whether he's accurate when you allow him to stay on his mark, whether he's accurate when, if he's, if he's a quarterback that's all about timing, sometimes you can adjust DBs to help slow up his timing to again, you know, maybe he's a catch and throw quarterback, you know, there's different things and like I tell my D lineman, you know, to me, I you know, I celebrate block balls. You know, sometimes you get jammed up at the line, but if you get your hands up, you can you get knocked this ball down. 
or, you know, just pressuring him. Uh, you might not get the sack, but uh, a few, about three or four hits on the quarterback is going to come up limping. And that fourth quarter, you know, he, he's going to be real tender. And if you get by him, he's just going to start throwing that thing all around, you know. And so, you know, as a D-line, you got to pry them on terrorizing that quarterback, getting them off his mark, messing up time and getting your hands up sniffing out of screens and quick passes and just doing your job, your overall job to affect the pass. And, you know, and that, and like I say, sometimes you go against quarterbacks that really can't throw. And right. if you pass for us, they looking for a way to run. Sometimes you just got to box them in and let them throw bad passes. You got to make right. them play quarterback. Right. And, you know, and so it's not always about getting to the sack. It's about, what kind of quarterback you got back there and what do you need to do to help your defense become successful? Coach, that's a great point, especially when, you, when you're coaching up, uh, in particular, young defensive ends. They want to fly up the field at, at you know, 90 miles an hour and, and run past the level of quarterback, and that veteran quarterback will just step up in the pocket and be comfortable all day doing that. Uh, and sometimes it is. got to teach them to throttle down a little bit and keep that quarterback contained and let him make a mistake by patting the ball one too many times or by, you know, feeling that pressure and maybe throwing off his, his, his back foot or, uh, you know, or taking his eyes off the receivers downfield and looking at you as a defensive line. So there's all sorts of things, good things that can happen by just getting in the quarterback's vicinity, not necessarily sacking him. So that's a, uh, that, that is something that's, that's key to remember when, when talking to your defensive lineman. It's not always about sacks. Now, as we head into the summer, Coach, talk to us about some things that you're you're wanting to do before next season starts to to improve yourself as a coach. Uh, well, you know, one thing about our staff, I'm I'm gonna give Coach Apples a credit because he puts together a great staff, um, great, great, great staff. We have great coaching staff, and there's a lot of guys with a lot of experience on our staff. And so, um, one thing I, I with me being a young coach. The season when it comes to D-line, but still going young, it's a lot of things. The first thing we always pride ourselves is clinicking each other. And so a lot of times you can go searching at different schools or whatnot or going talking to other staffs or whatnot, and a lot of information is sitting right around you. So the first thing I, I you know, I pride myself in doing is uh, – tapping into the sources around me, you know, even if guys out of different position groups, I watch them, uh, I question them, uh, I let them teach me about different things, different philosophies, uh, O-line coach, uh, linebacker coaches, receiver, OCs. We have a lot of knowledge on our staff, and that's my first source of, of uh, coaching and peer uh, mediation. I, 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 I clean up with my staff first, and then, you know, I go to different coaches, talk football, you know, Texas High School Coaches uh, Association. We, you know, every summer we go out down and talk good football with our friends from everywhere, you know, and just different things. And a lot of clinics I've already been to, it's just an ongoing process. A lot of stuff, you know, a lot of times we see encounter a lot of colleges come to. I make clinic with the college. I've been to at least about, three to four different college uh, football practices and talk to their D-line coach and watch their drills. So it's an ongoing process. There's different ways you can obtain knowledge. And, you know, 
I just try to maximize it uh, as best I can, you know. Well, I love the idea of clinicking your staff. Uh, that's that's sometimes we 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 want to go out and, and and go to all these different places when we have a, a wealth of knowledge right there in our own coach's office. Uh, whether it's me being the D line coach talking to the O line guy uh, or talking to the DBs guy behind me and saying, "Hey, you know, what are you seeing? What is it that we can do better to help you make your guys' job easier? Or what is the language you're using so that I'm using the same language when I communicate with your guys? Or I know what you're looking look what you're looking at." I think that's a, a an outstanding thing to do and something we all should do as coaches is is get together with those guys on our own staffs and talk with them and, and, and get with them and see how they're seeing things and get things from their perspective and also teach them how we're, how we're coaching because that's going to uh, allow us to go back and, and look at what we're doing in our process and, and become better teachers of our position. Well, Coach, I want to uh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us, and I know you guys got – Big things coming up for you in 2019. I want to wish you the best of luck uh, this next season. Thanks so much to Coach Borner for coming on and talking with us today. It is not easy to be vulnerable and talk about your struggles and your past like he did, but just want to thank him so much for, for sharing that with us. And also want to thank Coach Borner for giving us some great information on defensive line play. If you want to get in touch with Coach Borner, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Ramel Borner. And if you want to send him an email, you can find his email address in our show notes. Our quote of the day comes from Martin Luther King Jr. And it is, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Once again, we want to make sure that we pay honor to our veterans today and those who gave their lives for the freedoms we enjoy. We couldn't do what we get to do every day without the sacrifice made by those men and women in our military. So for that, we are thankful. Coaches, on this Memorial Day, make sure you pay tribute to our fallen veterans. And always remember, keep your pads down.